Well, it's not exactly a flip-flop, but our friends at Alpha Media have changed direction on the controversial zone casting technology that's now before the FCC. We'll talk about that again. Is Apollo about to dump the Cox Radio Group? And if so, who would be the dumpy? And what about sports being the last bastion for local radio and TV and having any dominance in anything in the media space? Well, maybe not so much anymore as the NFL Plus program comes into play. We'll talk about that too. Good morning. Welcome to Media Insultant. My co-host is Keith Samuels in Southern California. Keith, good morning. Good morning, Jackson. And I'm Jackson Weaver up in uh, Seattle, outside of Seattle. We do Media Insultant on each Tuesday and Friday. We get together and talk about things that are going on in media, normally mostly associated with radio and TV and media sales and media sales management. So we welcome you to the Tuesday edition, August 2nd of Media Insultant. Seafair Week is here in Seattle, Keith, and it always seems to bring with it pretty good weather. And, you know, everybody talks about all the events that are going on. You know, there's a, a Magnolia Summer Fest, whatever the hell that is. Uh, and even this year in Seafair, they're doing, get this, an Emoji Fest. Do you have any idea what that is, an Emoji Fest? What can yeah, I say? I guess we come up with really cute emojis. But you have to explain for the audience, Jackson. Because we have, you know, we have listeners and viewers in Seattle, of course, but anywhere outside Seattle and nobody knows what Seafair is. And yet Seafair is the biggest week in the Seattle Puget Sound area. It is the biggest week of the year. It is amazing. But what is it, Jackson? No, you're right. It is a celebration of Seattle and all of its aquatic kinds of of relationships with the Navy, with fishing, with sport boating. And in this case, the two big things that uh, make Seafair stand out so much are the hydro races. Now, most people don't know what hydro races are, but these are jet-powered boats that go 200 miles an hour and are crazy. It's a sport that is slowly dying. They're down to about six races a year. But at Seafair, it's a big deal, and it really is kind of fun to watch. And they have a couple of hundred thousand people around Lake Washington that yeah. get together and watch them. And then on Sunday, the thunder of the Blue Angels from the Air Force. And that's mm-hmm. always amazing, particularly if you can get in a boat and get out in the middle of the lake. They come over you at 500 feet at uh, 600 miles an hour. It's, well, what can I say? It's thunder in a big way. <laughs> it is. Big it's, way. it's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And you're not, and and you know, if the uh, Blue Angels aren't scary enough, the hydroplane races are absolutely amazing and a, a thrill a minute because sometimes they fly up in the air and flip all over, and guys' bodies go flying and boats scurry. <laughs> it's NASCAR on the water. It's it really NASCAR, is, is NASCAR on water. On water. I was just going to say. But the other re- the other reason I remember uh, Seafair so well is that the director of Seafair was a wonderful guy by the name of Bob Gobrek. And Bob's an old SC guy. He was at SC when I was there back in the in the uh, mid-70s. Bob married a sorority sister of my wife, who ended up becoming the women's basketball coach at UW, Chris Gobrek. And so the Gobrecks were, you know, had moved to Seattle, and she was the coach, and Bob was the director of Seafair. You know, they were like a power couple of, of, of Seattle for sure. And Bob recruited my general manager at KMPS, Fred Shoemaker, to become the 
you know, the, the volunteer director of Seafair. So for a year or two, uh, when Fred was running it, we had, we, KMPS owned Seafair, except for the play-by-play of the races. We were all over Seafair. It was great. It really helped. It was a wonderful promotional tool for us. And it was great to be involved in all of that. But Fred and Bob were just joined at the hip. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was a great time of year in Seattle because it's summer and it's warm and the weather's always perfect for Seafair. And so have a great week, buddy. It's going to be a lot of fun. Will be. It will be. We're looking looking forward to it. The good weather always does come with Seafair. You're right. So at least we know we have that one week of good weather. All right. Well, let's get on to our first story here today that has nothing to do with water or boats or hydroplanes or jet airplanes. It's Alpha Media's head, Bob Prophet, has come out and said that he thinks that zone casting is too expensive. Now, initially, Alpha supported zone casting. But now he's changed his mind and he's got good reason to. So let's go back and just real briefly punch on what zone casting is in case someone just tuned in and don't know what in the world we're talking about. Uh, These are on-frequency booster radio stations that provide up to five minutes an hour of unique different programming in that coverage area within the coverage area of the the radio station. So, for example, in Chicago, 97.1 The Drive might have a booster in Calumet. And in Calumet, they create unique spots for Calumet merchants and advertisers and sell them locally at a lower price. Lower <laughs> Don't price. forget yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Alpha much lower, the Much tech- lower price, by the way. Yeah, at a much yeah. lower price. That's right. So Alpha, but that, that's secondary because Alpha said, look, they initially supported, in fact, they used one of their FM stations in a rimshot station outside of Milwaukee to test the technology. And they said, you know, really, this is just too expensive because in addition to transmitter site leases, new equipment, engineering, they pointed out that uh, new and modified program origination program automation would also be required. So, Which a is a big deal. That's a, bi- that's a big deal. Just to, you know, to change your automation so you could sneak this content in is a big deal. It is, and then Sorry. you you know the, the the you've got microwave links that have to go to different. Tra- I mean, it's it's really going to be a hassle. But at the end of the day, they said that they thought a, a booster would cost about sixty thousand dollars per year in annual cost. So not counting the capital, it's going to be and you put two or three in a market, so that's going to be one hundred twenty to one hundred eighty thousand a year. And as you and I discussed, if you assume you try to keep a least a 50% cash flow gross margin on that, that's another half a million dollars in revenue that you got to get out of those booster stations. And that's a lot of money in almost any market because you're selling into a small market. I didn't break it down on a cost per spot basis to get that revenue, but I'm not sure that it's an awful lot less than what the stations are charging right now, even (laughs) even in major markets. So... It's it's a it's a real headache, and I really got to hand it to our friends at Alpha, Bob Prophet and his team, for initially supporting this, yeah. testing it, and coming back and saying too expensive. And Bob yeah, runs for, small good, market good. stations as well as large market stations. So yeah, he's got yeah, I mean, a you know, good angle he, on it. Yeah, and and Bob comes out of Citadel where they had a lot of big market stations. So you know, he's this isn't his first rodeo. Pardon the pun, but but I really did appreciate him breaking down the expenses of these things because, you know, everybody's talking about how great what the potential is, but well, what's the cost and what's it going to be? And by the way, is that cost going to 
makes sense when you look at what are we going to be able to sell a couple, maybe a couple of minutes of ads, maybe four or five ads, you know, and, and what a pain in the ass it's going to be just to do that. But also the fact that, you know, you just can't go onto Amazon and buy a booster. You got to, you got to, you got to buy the booster itself. You've got to find a place that you can put the booster up on top of. And that's usually like a, like a cell tower rental. You've got to find somebody that's going to rent you part of, you know, some, you know, array up on right, top of right, some right, antenna of on top enough. of a, and so, you know, and that's not cheap and that's where this rent comes in and the, and the, and the price of putting this together. And then you go, okay, so how much time am I going to take away from my salespeople to send somebody out to Calumet to sell spots and, you know, start developing a relationship. And those people out there are already doing digital by zone, by zip code, by neighborhood, wherever they want. They're already doing that. They're already probably buying cable by zone. So they're doing that and they're buying their newspaper. Their newspaper digital stuff is all geofenced and targeted and all that. And now the radio guys come waltzing in. Really? You know, yeah, I'd love to be on well, the drive. And that, and that may indeed be, be the, the issue. I had a, a good broadcast buddy who said, look, if geotargeting is necessary, there are a lot of alternatives. And as you just pointed out, you can you can geotarget with a lot of other media that are more effective at geotargeting than radio is ever going to be. So, so use radio to what? Fill the funnel, great, create awareness throughout the entire market for your business and your product, and then do your, you know, your, your narrow casting, your targeting, uh, using digital media and, uh, you know, OTT and whatever else you're doing. Or direct mail, even, you know, direct yeah. mail's making a bit of a comeback for just that, that reason. But here's what we're going to do, because there are two sides to this discussion. Um, this Friday, we hope to have Ron Stone on. Ron is head of the Adams Radio Group, mm -hmm. and he actually has supported zone casting and he has some reasons for it. We're going to have a couple of minutes conversation with him and see how wrong we are again. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and Ron's the we, head of the, he's, he's also the executive director, Grand Poobah of the IBA, the Independent Broadcasting Association or Broadcasters Association. So he's speaking out on behalf yeah, and of the I'm not sure of... he's speaking for the IBA or he's speaking for Adams. We'll have to add, ask him. We'll ask. That. We'll ask. But Ron's always a yeah. great guest and uh, it'll great, be great to get his point of view. All right, we need a news sounder here. You know, like the uh, that great Big Eight news piece we did last <laughs> oh, week. We oh. need a news sounder. Pum, pum, pum. Because the question that popped up uh, just today is Cox Radio in play. Ooh, and what do you, Cox what do you Radio mean? Is, well, yes, as you and I both know, Cox Radio has been a great group for years, owned by the Cox organization yeah. out of Atlanta. I mean, they... They have been one of the, I'd say, two or three premier radio groups in the country to work for. Jerry Del Caligano's column came out, and he says rumor is out. He says that uh, Khalil has a book on the state on the stations, so that may indeed be the case. Um, I know the guys at Khalil. I doubt they're going to give me a book on Cox on the on the Cox stations if it's for sale. But Frank and Fred Khalil and all their team, you know, Higney and all these other guys down there on Swan Road in Tucson, Arizona, where this brokerage firm is based. And they're great guys. I love the Khalils. Got to know them when I lived down there. And they are working the phones. They are trying to find somebody who's going to uh, pick up this group because it's not every day that a group that was recently bought for $500 million comes on the market. There's a lot of brokerage and retirement fees <laughs> built into this for, <laughs> for, for, for old Frank and Fred who's and their kids and grandkids. I mean, this is going to be a big hit for the Khalils, that's for sure. So who's going to buy it? Who, who do you think, who, who is the, the dumpy, as we said in the intro? Who is Cox going to buy? Or who is well, going to buy the Cox radio group? 
Yeah, and, and the speculation is there's there's either two ways this goes. A group or a company buys all of Cox. And the reason Apollo, the hedge fund group that bought Cox Television from Cox Enterprises, Cox Enterprises still exists. It runs Cox Cable and it runs uh, Auto Trader and Mannheim uh, Auto Auctions Mannheim and all of that auctions. business. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they've got all of that still. And they still have part interest in, in both the radio and television groups. They still have a, a minority share of this business. But it's Apollo that wants to wants to get rid of the radio side of this thing. So there really there really isn't a group, a big a big group, you know, the Cumulus, Odyssey, iHeart, they're in conflict in most of the markets that Cox is in. So I don't see them picking it up. It's a chance perhaps for a smaller company. Alpha's not in a financial position to do it. Town Square, the markets are too big. You start going through the list of radio groups, and the name that Jerry brought up was our old friend, the Wizard of Westport, Connecticut, Jeff Warshaw, who tried unsuccessfully to buy Cumulus. He goes, maybe Jeff will buy it, you know? So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll have to see. It's Let's like see the cereal ads. Maybe yeah. it's Mikey likes it. Yeah, see if he, yeah. he'll eat anything. <laughs> what Jerry was saying is that Jeff Warshaw might be really going after the cluster in Long Island. So the, the markets that are really big for, for Cox are Houston, Atlanta, Miami, Orlando, Tampa, Jacksonville, uh, they've also got Dayton, San Antonio, for sure, Dayton, Long Island, and then they've got a little cluster in Athens, Georgia. So the betting money now is picking these things off market by market might be the way this goes. Uh, that is entirely possible. Although, I, again, you know, you're looking at market compatibility. You're looking at who's got the cash to bring a deal to the table. And that may mean there's some there could be some swaps. But Apollo wants out of it. <laughs> they don't want to swap <laughs> you know, your problem right. station for my problem station. So there is one other possibility, and that is uh, maybe a smaller private equity firm would buy it on the basis of what I call the ice cube, ice cube mm -hmm. money. They, they invest it for one reason. They pay off their investment in three to five years, and then they just suck cash out of the business until the business eventually dies. You know, that's kind of what happened with Sears when uh, Eddie Lambert yeah bought yep. Sears. He didn't buy it for any other reason than to suck cash out of it and let it die. Well, I think that same sort of PE firm, the problem with this cluster of radio stations is it's not a big enough deal. I mean, they paid $500 million for it. I, I don't know what it's going to go for, but probably not $500 million. And I, I don't have no idea why they paid $500 million for it. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't that, either. But, uh, you know, but, but at $200 million, this is a hell of a buy. This is a this is these are great stations in good markets. Some of them great markets, and and they're well run. Okay, this is a well run radio group that's established and successful in their markets. There isn't a cluster in there that is that is that isn't doing well and making money. They're they're really good stations. So I think um, well, I'd, I'd rather have this group than Odyssey. I'd rather have this group than. Um, uh, some of the other you know players that are out there. You're right. I think it might be a PE fund. It might be a play where somebody you know gets into the business. But we'll see. It might. Hey, maybe uh, maybe Warshaw's down at the country club over the weekend, out there in Westport, and uh, the kids are playing in the in Long Island Sound, and he's he's putting together the money to buy it. It's a hell of a lot cheaper he than might. Cumulus. <laughs> yeah, he might. And and you know, I just was thinking about it too. You look at a lot of the markets. You know, Miami, Orlando, Tampa, Jacksonville. 
Houston and San Antonio, these are all political markets. So is Atlanta, too, come to think of it. Yeah. Uh, there may be some real political uh, money out of that those markets for radio, which has not typically been the case, but might change quite a bit in the next uh, couple of cycles. So anyway, we'll keep an eye on it, and we'll let you know what the next thing is, and we'll, uh, we'll announce it with our new news intro, the Media Insultant News Intro, which I've got. Bum, bum, with. bum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, big eight. Yeah, the big eight, baby. Yeah, the big eight. Okay, you and I have talked about this for a long time. It seems like local radio and TV's last domain of any dominance is live sports. And now comes the NFL with a new app called NFL Plus. This is primarily targeted for your cell phone. And it offers games at just $4.99 a month, and you get both audio and video of the games. And they're not protecting local game coverage for the time being at any rate. They will be essentially rebroadcasting local games from as near as I can tell, from the affiliate that has the rights in those particular markets. Uh, the, the question is, I'm not sure. You, you and I both disagree on this. Uh, my understanding is they will not, or they will be running spots, the same spots that the originating station sold. It's another, it's another cut of a thousand cuts that radio and TV <laughs> yeah, yeah. are taking with play-by-play. The NFL just is kind of nickeling and diming away at it. You got Prime over here taking stuff away. How much longer is this going to go on, Keith? Uh, forever. <laughs> and, and at the expense of local stations and now local network affiliates. Because here's how this thing works. Is that you're going to get the two out-of-town games that are preseason games. So we did, we, a couple of months ago, we talked about King 5 in Seattle making a big deal about becoming the new partner for the Seahawks. And that new partnership meant they got to carry the four preseason games that the Seahawks play. They play two home and two away. With this, with NFL Plus, you'll be able to stream video or audio on your devices, which could be your connected TV, it could be your phone, could be your iPad, could be your computer, two of the away, the two away games. So they're protecting the local station on two games, the two games that are played at home in preseason, okay, so woohoo! So for four ninety nine a month, you get to stream that uh, two away preseason games, which nobody cares about anyway, because you know the, the best guys don't play. Then during the season, you know, we talked about zone casting. What well, here is they're going to do geo fencing. So if your IP address is registered with the NFL when you sign up for this stuff, you can't stream any game except your local team's games, okay. Now, I don't know how they're going to do it in L.A. where we've got two teams. So I can stream both the Chargers and the Rams for $4.99 a month. If you're in Seattle, you only get the Seahawks for $4.99 a month. Okay, So I get a better deal, I think. But in, the, in any case, it'll be the local either CBS or Fox affiliate for the regular season games. It'll be their stream of their video. And also, this, they're going to stream audio, which is going to be the local stations play-by-play. Now, the station itself... In our case down here, I think it's a KSPN affiliate here, and they have an FM station that, that carries the games as well. They can't stream the games, but you'll be able to get it through this streaming device. So that's a big deal. And that, that really, this really, I think, screws the, the radio stations more than it does the television stations in this case. Now, they also have another level called NFL Plus Premium. And boy, for premium, uh, oh, by the way, this whole deal for also in, includes your team's playoff games, okay, and their regular season and any of their postseason games. 
If they don't make, what if the Seahawks don't make the playoffs? Are you you don't get any games? I you know, so we'll have to wait and see. In the meantime, we're still waiting for the NFL Sunday ticket deal to get finalized. And so that's a separate thing for all you NFL guys who love, you know, through DirecTV to get NFL Sunday ticket. It's now going to be through Apple TV or YouTube, and we'll see how that shakes out in the next few weeks. But either way, Jackson, your point about the fact that if I'm a local broadcaster carrying preseason games, I'm a local radio station group carrying live play-by-play that I'm putting on for uh, local distribution, I can't stream it. Now, I could be I could be sitting on the beach in Hawaii in November, and I could stream the game on uh, ESPN 710 and get the Rams game, or on KLAC with the Chargers, uh, I could stream it. But I can't stream it through iHeart, or I can't stream it through the radio station site. I have to stream it through my NFL Plus subscription. But hey, I'm cool with that. Okay, yeah, but but Keith, you hit something on the point. This is getting so damn complicated for a consumer to know where to go to find a game. And I, I know that it'll sort its way out, but, you know, the NFL is unarguably maybe the greediest organization on the planet. And they're really going to screw the local stations. And boy, don't overpay for your NFL rights. And, you know, I just feel like it's bend over and take it from the NFL again, because God knows they need the money. So yeah, yeah. Well, we could well, probably do a whole show on this. One final thought, and, Jackson, is that, you, and you have friends like this, and I do too, where it's all about the NFL. Okay. The NFL, not only do people want to watch the games and they will find them, they will do whatever it takes to find the games. The whole thing that's under that's underneath here, the secondary thing that no one talks about is how, how the NFL depends on gambling is that sports betting is the reason the NFL is in business. Okay. It's not because they're going to put 80,000 people at the Rose or, at the, you know, at SoFi stadium or 40, 50,000 people at the, whatever the century link field or whatever they're calling no, it it's now. It's uh, Lumen. Lumen, yeah, Lu- Field, Lumen Field in now. Seattle. It's, it's all about the betting. Yeah. And because so many guys are betting on football, they will pay whatever it takes to watch or listen or stream as many games as they possibly can all at once, okay? Because it's a massive, massive addiction. So, yes, for the casual viewer, it's kind of like, where's the game? I don't know. But for the NFL fan, around the world, they'll pay and they'll find it. All right. Well, to extend this metaphor, the clock's run out and we're not even in the end zone. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Join us again on Friday when we hope to um, have another side of the zone casting discussion with yeah. Ron Stone. We drop a new show each Tuesday and Friday yeah. on any podcasting and you know any podcasting platform. There, I got it out, and the video is on Vimeo on Media Insultant Showcase, where you can find us. So, Keith, uh, we'll do this again Friday. Looking forward to it. You uh, take care of yourself. Go have a good week. See you Friday. See you Friday, Jackson. Take care.